My ambition after that trip to the Highlands was simply to see if Tasmania could make a really good single malt whiskey. We don't expect everyone to like these wines, so yes, there's some risk. Drink more sherry, because that's when you can really educate yourself on what happens in maturation. The thing is with Australian that is you put them in a gin, the aftertaste invariably is just bitter and unpalatable. I think the Irish whiskey landscape is going to be wildly different over the next five years. This is the Drinks Adventures podcast. I'm James Atkinson, and this is the show where I speak to some of the world's most exciting producers of beer, wine and spirits, and uncover trends and issues in the drinks industry today. It's been almost exactly three years since Balter Brewing announced its sale to Carlton and United Breweries. What happens after a buyout like that is always a bit of an unknown, but by all accounts, Balter has been going gangbusters under the new regime. Sterling Howland and Scott Hargrave of Balter are with us this episode of Drinks Adventures. You're going to hear how CUB's ownership has introduced Bolter's hop-forward beers to some unlikely venues with surprising results. But we also explore some of the other contributors to its success, like the measure twice, cut once philosophy that underpins its approach to packaged beer. I'll weigh in with some opinions of my own on that topic too. And Scott will tell us why the haze craze is not really a craze, but the latest evolution of the India Pale Ale style. And speaking of style evolutions, I get their thoughts on the Aussie Wheat Ale initiative, which we explored a few episodes ago on this podcast with the participating CUB craft breweries. First up, I asked Sterling whether we'd heard correctly in that episode that Balter's Corumban Brewery is struggling to keep up with the popularity of its beers. Yeah, we are. So, you know, I guess this country's thirsty, mate. They, they're, they're a thirsty bunch and, yeah, it just it continues to just head north steeply and, you know, we've been very fortunate to get a number of tap points around the country. And in venues that traditionally may not pull through a lot of this type of beer and what XPA is sort of showing and Easy Hazy and Captain Sensible is they, they it's pulling through at a good rate of knots, you know. So the volume they're doing in single venues is wonderful and outperforming a lot of other beers on tap there and... We've just been riding that, you know, and, and trying to keep up with brewing the beer and making as much as we can, mm. while also keeping the other drumbeat of the business, which is the excitement and re-engaging people through new beers as well. Like, there's this balancing act you have to, to play. And um, are you looking for a leaderage number? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I'd no. be interested, but yeah. you probably won't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> is it confidential? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like a bit of a wanker talking about leaders. Like that. Yeah, so do I. We are... Um, I guess the only thing I'd say in that we're sort of, you know, we're not too far behind the stone and woods of the world, I suppose. Okay, yeah. That wants to give you some idea, but for us it's just been really from almost seven years of constant building, you know, from mm. when we first started. The new brew house that we put in during COVID, it was amazing. It was probably for us, we sort of talk about this sort of supernatural bolter timing thing that seems to happen. We're always just getting through the gate before it whacks us on the bum. And COVID was one of those, not only in the fact that three months after we signed on the dotted line, COVID happened. And that would, I can't think of how much of a train wreck that would have been for us. But then also when there was that bit of a lull in those sort of across the middle of 2020, we're able to take a breath enough to get this new brewery um, installed and commissioned, and and if we'd have been, if we'd have been already redlining, I I can't think that that would have gone as smoothly 
as it did. Right? So. Yeah, that initial part really did help us catch our breath and, and get our infrastructure and all our ducks lined up and even just being forced to really focus on your off-prem business, you know, we really honed in on that at that period like every business did and we got to sort of really tighten that world up as well and then the pub started coming back online, we we're ready for it, you know, and we had there and there was, you know, there was some opportunities there too that we were able to just slip in and put beer on because we were ready for it yeah. when they opened up again and yeah. there was just, yeah, there's a few little things that you can't necessarily plan to a T that just happened beautifully and I look back at that time and at the start you're going, what's going to happen here? But then in hindsight you look back and go, wow, that was just the the perfect sort of outcome for us at that moment in time. Yeah, and it's pretty scary, you know, because you lose half your business overnight, you know, and with the keg business and we tipped out several thousand kegs worth of beer. So I do remember being asked, uh, how long do you think this beer will last? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to tip the lot out because we're just going to be hovering and the minute that the pub's open, bang. In a lot of cases, that's what happened for us because we were, we were able to provide beer, very, very, very fresh beer to people really, really quickly. And that was one advantage, I suppose, of our size and scale, but also we were, already, we, we were match fit to be able to do that because we had you know, six, six years of just constant slog to try and keep up. And so everything's still being brewed at Corumban? Yes. It, is that something that, you know, now that you're kind of full up there, is that something that's under consideration or how are you yeah. going to well, fulfil the demand for your beer? It kind of has to be. Like, we've got to look at it because we're seriously just running out of space. What's the best way to put it? There's I'll step in here quickly program. as there's a bit of background noise in this section. Scott says Bolter is currently considering how to address the capacity issues it's currently facing. He says that having sold the business, Bolter is obligated to consider other options that will help fulfil demand for its beers and enable the business to continue to grow. And there are growth incentives for Scott, Sterling and the other people who own shares in Bolter too, because the sale price was tied in part to how much beer they were able to sell in the first five years after the deal was signed. There's no easy way to solve the problem because we just, we don't have the space to build too much more than what we've got at Corumba. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of work going into some of that stuff. And what about the product mix of, you know, you talked about the three beers that I think you were saying were really firing. How's that changed, you know, in the, in the last couple of years? Yeah, look, um, probably the didn't mention there is also Hazy. It's, um, it's a beer that just continues to truck along quite powerfully you know, especially in the West, it's now number two skew over in the West. It's, it's a funny one. It just, I don't know if they like their higher ABV beers over there, but Hazy in the West goes really well. And, but just nationally as well, it's done well. But, you know, XPA is still really doing a lot of the heavy lifting. It's a, but not um, abnormally out of structure with the rest of the range, you know, and I think you've got um, Easy Hazy and Captain sort of sitting quite even behind that and then sort of hazy and then IPA on the back of that there, so. Poor old lager hasn't even been mentioned. No, lager, lager's still <laughs> kicking around. It's probably punching with IPA a little bit, the same sort of yeah. volumes. But, you know, there's a lot of lager in the world that is is cheap and accessible and, mm. and all those types of things. And, you know, when you've got so many beers that are performing well, they're only going to take so many beers from you. Unfortunately, you know, lager and the purple tinny probably even though the Purple Tinny had a beautiful time in the sunshine, these three other beers are, are getting the ranging first and then what else can we put on there? So you just take what you can. And, 
you know, because the reality is they're not going to put five or six of your beers on shelf the whole time. But when you switched from the Pilsner to the lager, mm-hmm. that didn't make a significant impact in how the lager beer in your range had been selling? Uh, it sold better pretty much immediately. Yeah. Right. And that was a big part of it, you know, and everybody, everybody I know said, oh, Pilsner, I love that beer. <laughs> yeah. like, well, well, why don't you buy yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one bought enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> And well, what do you do? Like we have always said, you know, we're obviously going to not be, not be forced into things by our audience, but we certainly listen to them. Any business with a skerrick of a mouse will do that. And you know, folks have seen that were more uh, more likely to drink a lager. They and our CEO actually put it well one day in a meeting that the people the population seem to understand the word lager much more than they do pilsner and. That's true. I mean, what it has done also is allow us to keep Pilsner orbiting around what we do, but just just pull it in for a limited release here and there, chuck it on the tap room. I'm always dabbling with them. We've got one or two on tap right now. NZ Pills that we released earlier in the year was a ripper. You know, I had an awful lot of people tell me, you know, they really, really got into that beer. And it's still nice to be able to pull them in, see them for a while. You don't have to be focused on that, you know, that you've got to make that every week and the tank space that it ties up and the extra steps you have to go to um, to make that beer as good as it it needs to be. When you know you've only got to do it once or twice a year or something, it's a lot easier to sacrifice the tank space that it needs, but also the filtration and other bits and pieces, you know, all of that side of it. So, and it makes it more of a joy, I think. I like the fact that it's limited like that and special like that. I heard you speaking, I think it would have been last year, talking about, you know, how successful Hazy had been and how it kind of surprised your retail partners a little bit that a beer of that strength and that style could sell as well as as it had been. Mm. It's been a wonderful beer. I remember when um, Scotty first brewed it, it was called Citra Palooza back then, and we took it up to um, Beer and Cider Festival in, in Brizzy, and it just had this natural glow and aura about it where it just ended up having its own line up just to this one tap font. And we were sitting there going, man, how cool is this? It, just watching this behave this way and went back to the tap room and put it on and we just saw the same thing. We always said that our tap room's like this voting system. As soon as you put a beer on, you can see by how many schooners you pour, how many votes these beers are getting. And it was abnormal and um, it really was just hitting a... a preference that this crowd of ours wanted this juicy low bitterness beautifully rounded hazy beer at six percent and anyway that was a bit of a telltale for us so we're like well let's get it in cans you know and I think at the time there was a lot of talk around oh you've got to drink them quick because of you know they're gonna they're gonna turn they're gonna get oxidized they're not gonna stand up in the can and what we found with the, the hazy scotty was brewing is it actually had really good longevity and it sort of debunked the myth that these beers are turning really quick. And we found this beer was super reliable and quite bulletproof. And so everywhere we sent it, it was showing up in great shape. It was hanging in there and staying in great shape. And people were like, wow, I can really trust this beer. It's robust and it's bloody delicious. We really like it. Stirls was at me for about 12 months or so going, hey, have you seen those, you know, these hazy IPAs on there? Are you going to brew one on the pilot? I'm like, no. Not right now, because all the ones I saw were like custard and had chunks in it and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, well, not until I can work out a way to to not do that. I don't want to let someone down, you know, when they pour one of our 
beers into a glass and, and get that, with this idea that you have to be standing under the bright tank to drink the beers at their best. It took a while, but Stills basically flattered me into a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh look, I reckon yeah. you could make a real good <laughs> And that's the faith they have in him, right? I was drinking these good ones. I was like, mate, I'm actually really enjoying them. And it seems like other people are too. And it was like, if they're making them this good, you could probably make you know, as good if not better one. And then, you know, it, it, <laughs> and then he, all right, dickhead, I'll make one. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, that was great. So I can remember, like, the still sit down up to a beer insider and I was like, holy shit, okay, there could be something to this. It went nuts at the tapper and mm-hmm. I had to brew it again on the pilot and then again. And we had uh, Ryan Hopkins and, and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops had come out to Australia and I picked them up at the Gold Coast Airport and we drove straight down to the Brunswick Hotel and we had, uh, I think we'd had a pop-up bar there and we had, it was still called Citrapalooza then, we had it on tap and walked straight into the beer garden at the Bruns and poured a couple for for Ryan and Steve and yeah, they, they thought the beer was outstanding, you know, not just blowing smoke up a customer's butt but I could actually see that they really did dig the beer and uh, yeah, it was great, it was great to see those you know, such high-level guys in the hop industry think that much of a beer that's, you know, pretty hoppy and, and that expression of, of those flavours. That was a fair tick of approval, I suppose, and, and we sort of just got it into shape to get it into cans. And I assume you did a lot of R&D yeah, on the small kit and kept tweaking and tweaking it until it did go into cans. Do you know what? I, like Stills often says, we're a measure twice, cut once sort of brewery. And what I did, I suppose, I just, I just, I walked up to it really slowly. And by the time I did the first one, and you know the crowd's going nuts, I just basically, what I wanted to do was brew it again and brew it again. Like I only brewed it about three times on the pilot, mostly because we needed the beer on the tap room because people were outright demanding it. But also to see, does that recipe hold up, or did I fluke that? There wasn't much to do to it. It was actually like. Because I didn't rush into it, I think because I was trying to figure it out with yeast strains and and the hop choices and when and where to add the hops and where's the best ABV for this beer, all of those sorts of things. I sort of really constructed all that and had it together really before I sort of had that first real swing at it. 12, 18 months later, I'm hearing about, you know, big pubs and RSL clubs in Sydney that are buying it by kegs of it by the pallet. I was like, what? You know, what's, what's an RSL club doing with a 6% hazy beer? This is nuts. Quite uh, humbling to see that reaction to that beer, you know. Has it surprised you guys how much legs that whole hazy trend and sort of lower bitterness in IPAs has had? It's just funny. It's one of those things like you've got all those long-term West Coast breweries that make, you know, iconic clear IPAs that are definitely making lots of hazy as well, you know. And like, I, you know, I know some breweries there, some of the, the newer ones that are in uh, Oceanside in San Diego and, and, you know, a lot of those guys don't really have a clear beer apart from Mexican lagers or, or you know, they all their IPAs are hazy all the time. They don't even really consider having a bright one, you know. But thankfully there's still plenty of those around. And I think, I really do think West Coast IPA has moderated a bit in bitterness. Particularly IPA, it seems like it's always evolving one way or another, right? So in reaction to all the hazies that have gone on, how can you not 
impart some of that into a classic West Coast IPA. It's just, I just think it's part of the evolution. And, you know, not to mention pale ales as well. You know, you 100%. guys have got the easy hazy and yep. I think we've seen other breweries that have got pale ales in their range that have sort of released more sort of hazy, juicy styles mm. of pale ales that seem to just be more what consumers are looking for these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess clearly pale ales and IPA, you know, for the most part have sort of been the dominant craft beer since probably since Sierra Nevada first put theirs out, you know. So clear IPA, clear pale ales have had it their own way for a long, long time. Just might be a generational thing, you know, that that people have realised, wow, I can have a beer I like without actually having to force it down and say I'm enjoying craft beer. Or <laughs> Sometimes it seems to me like you see kids with, like, you know, really extreme metal T-shirts on, and I was like, do you really listen to it, I wonder? Or are you just much more of a Metallica guy, you know, which at one point was as extreme as it got, you know, in the late 80s. And now they're dad rock. Beer's just evolving and hazies are, I don't think they're going anywhere and I think that brewers all around the world have just gotten better and better at hops I think and understanding them better and there's a you know you've got guys you know I've got a very close relationship with Yakima Chief Hops and Yakima Chief Ranchers and those guys like you know as, as well as all the other you know producers and suppliers there's an, a mind-boggling amount of science and research that goes into hops these days you know picking windows and, and sulfur and thiol levels and all these sorts of things that you've got the suppliers looking so closely at the hops. It's no great surprise that brewers have actually started to work with them better as well. You know, I think nuance and, and deft touches and stuff become part of the repertoire and I think that's reflected in a lot of ways in hazies that are softer and juicier and, you know, that's not just about a hard citrus or pine it's there's so much more the universe is, has expanded quite a lot i'd say in the last 10 years when it comes to hop flavor and aroma and varieties and there's you know constant experimentation and hazies whether they're pales or ipas or whatever are a great vehicle for it i'd have no doubt there are now hop varieties being bred that probably aim directly at them that Certainly wasn't the case with a hop like Citra or Mosaic, but 15, 20 years after they were first bred, here we are and, you know, they go so well in those beers. But you'd imagine that if I was a hop breeder, I'd be going, well, how would this go on a hazy? Is it going to be one of those hops, you know? There's some beers we haven't seen come back. Hazy DC, I don't think we've seen for a while. The double IPA. Yeah. So Hazy DC um, came out with Dan Murphy's last year, actually. Oh, did it? Okay, it, it was. Um, a... It rocketed off the shelves. It was, it's been a, it was always a cult favourite that beer, and yeah, um, which if anyone's listening, it's an Aussie hopped Hazy IPA. Yeah, it was last year. That was in uh, yeah. September, but we haven't done the double IPA um, since 2020 because of the capacity issues we've had, and even this year we had to do our limited beers basically month after month after month, which. We only do about four a year. That's how we like to do it. We don't like to flood the market with these new beers. We, we like I said, we measure twice and we cut once. We, we're only going to make beers that we're really interested in, really drink ourselves. And so anyway, we had this series of NZ IPAs, which we called our mouth holiday. You know, the whole premise was if you can't travel, we can at least take your mouth on a holiday. So we did an NZ Pills, an NZ IPA and an NZ Hazy. And um, 
you know, those those beers, yeah, we just get pushed into capacity issues basically and so we had to release them month after month and so double IPA hasn't made a comeback because of those reasons, you know. And nor did Handsome Elvis this year, right? Oh, mate, old Handsome Elvis, he got shoved <laughs> again. But, um, he but he, yeah, but no, he'll be, he'll be back next year and he'll could be have back with, with a vengeance. Could have so. timed it with Baz's film and everything. Yeah, I know, yeah, we kind of blew it, yeah, we kind of blew it. But, um, no, Handsome will be back. We're, we'll probably get into our mojo a bit more next year, I think, and, you know, we, we say that every year, but um, we'll see how we go. But we're definitely planning to space our beers differently and to definitely create enough gap between them as well so people aren't just getting bombarded you know they're they're like oh they're considered and they're timely you know and I think it's really important to any beers that you're releasing because there's so many new beers coming out all the time how do you keep up so rather than create more noise we just want to create the right noise and and get them out there so I'd, I'd love to think you'll see a double IPA and a and old handsome back next year yeah, well, I think it is very evident in the way that you guys approach packaged beer because there are other breweries that pretty much everything they brew goes into can first time and I'm pretty sure if you spoke to those brewers, there'd be something different they'd do if they brewed the beer again. And it can be an expensive exercise buying a four-pack of something that doesn't turn out to be, you know, these days beer is bloody expensive for, yeah. for, for consumers, so... Oh, yeah. we agree, mate. When we've always honoured that, like we are so um, vigilant about... We don't want people to be our lab rats. We want to be there first. We want to go through the paces with it. And he's so thoughtful when he constructs a beer for the first time, let alone its second or third or fourth generation. And by that point, you can guarantee those bolts have just been dialed perfectly. And it's like, okay, now it's worthy to be to be put out there into the wild, into cans, and and then on kegs at at a, at a bigger level as well. And I love that. It's a, it's a, that to us is about a sustainable business. That's a business that when it shows up, it doesn't want to let you down. And if we continue to show up every time we do that, that's how great businesses stay sustainable. I think when you when you just start dropping, you know, just putting everything out all the time, I don't know. I feel like you can erode your own foundation a bit. So that's why we do that it's very important to us and and something we've just always done from day one hey yeah you build an, an audience and they invariably then depend on you you got to back up and do this day after day you've got to be reliable you know someone goes and plonks their hard earned down and and you know the beer's not what it could have been yeah it's different in draft like i'm a bit more forgiving on draft because if you've only got to buy one glass of it then yeah. you can push through a glass of most things as long as it's not really badly faulty. But if you've invested, you know, $45 on a four-pack of 500ml cans, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be an expensive error. Even from <laughs> that sustainability point of view, you've gone to the effort of having cans made and boxes made and the transport and logistics and every single part of that chain that goes into something that's, you know, wasn't thought out properly. I mean, for us, that's just not how we're going to do it, you know. Once we've committed to putting it in a can, it's what we wanted it to be. And also Sterling's marketing efforts really kick in, the labels and all of the the videos that you guys sometimes do as well. He's got to have enough time to to percolate all those ideas. Mm. But I think too, though, at that point you're at full, you know, at full speed conviction about what you're doing. At that point, it's easier to be a storyteller because you're not being a bullshit artist, and that's really important to me. It always has been with Bolter, and 
Um, that's why I love collaborating with Scotty on beers and the things we do because, you know, we've, we're sort of we're nurturing this thing way back from a small idea and then once it gets to this, there's so much thought and, and process gone into that, I can then just go for it. We can go create any type of discussion we want around a certain style of beer or whatever it is and um, it's totally convicted and I, I love that. I love being able to just sit there and, and just go, this is the absolute truth in, from our world and, and here it is. And then you can actually have – it's, it's always allowed me too to have fun with our brand. A lot of the times you can kind of be – like people trying to dazzle you with other stuff, but we have a lot of fun just because we want to have fun and so we can. We're not trying to like have fun so we're covering up something. It's just like, oh, I can just do whatever I want now and, and have, have a real good time saying, hey, here's our new beer and here's some, you know, low-budget funny clip <laughs> we're going to pump out of the backyard, you know. It's been a good process in that, in that way. What have you guys got against Aussie Weetail? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> We've been making them for ages. Yeah, yeah. Well, XPA probably would. What's the, XPA's got a fair whack. What, what, what percentage of wheat is in that? XPA, it's about 20%. Okay. Easy's yeah. got 20%, possibly more. It's like we've been doing them anyway. Yeah. Gonna, we just, like for us it just wasn't right again because we, we're so constrained we can't even make Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. We had to compress, as Stella said, we had to compress our year's releases into this three-month period because that was the only tank space we were going to get. We weren't, for no other reason, than we wouldn't have fit one of those in. And especially then what? Then it has to, we've got to keep making it. We've got to commit to that. We can't even commit to a long-standing beer like Elvis, you know, that disappoints people because we can't make it or, or you know, double IPA or some of those things because we've had to make the mum and dad parent style decisions that not as much as we want to we can't so and it seemed like you know some of the other breweries that were brewing them it's like well between them all they'll make enough i would have thought there'll be plenty of it so we sat that out you know it does come back to also how we operate as a brewery and speaking about it for probably 45 minutes now is that point of conviction as well the ideation and the and the ideas that come out of our brewery are intrinsically linked to us first and they start with us mm. and we're never about passing on uh, someone else's idea. We want to be there to deliver our truth and our ideas to the people and I think at that point you're going to get a really integral, authentic outcome and so for us too, that that is a part of it and, you know, that's just our the way we operate our business and I don't think at any point if we're to stay who we are that you should shift that around that's probably another part to it as well. Cool, fellas. Well, um, thanks for coming by for a chat. Thanks for having us, James. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you.